And this week, instead of the DVD shelf, as we mentioned at the start of the show, it's time for our fall TV preview. And joining me uh, once again is David Bax from Battleship Pretension and Hey Watch This. Uh, is it Hey Watch This with Paul and David or just Hey Watch This? Because I feel like you guys had the longer name and then dropped the second half. The logo says Hey Watch This with Paul and David, but we just referred to it as Hey Watch This. Okay. Noted. I'm just going to you know, save characters and you know in my tweets and whatever and cut okay. out the second half of that. Um but uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to talk, we're going to look at all the new shows premiering um, through the rest of the year. Now, I'm, sh- I'm certain there's a couple here that I don't know about, probably a bunch I don't know about. Um, and certainly uh, there are many, many, many returning shows we are not going to mention at all, meaning we're not mentioning any of them uh, until the very end. Well, can I mention one Absolutely. real quick? Yeah. Maybe my, my most anticipated returning show uh, uh, a show that I came on to do a special DVD shelf about. Uh, Le Revenant, uh, a.k.a. The Returned, is returning to American television on Halloween. Yes. And I can't wait. That is uh, my most anticipated return show. All right, from here on out, it's all new shows. It's okay. I was going to save that for, like, at the end. What are the returning shows that you're excited about? But I can jump in then with a couple. Uh, okay. Jane the Virgin is coming back soon, and I'm very excited about I- that. Also coming back um, is Fargo that same night. I've seen the first uh, episode and I've got three more waiting for me because pretty, pretty screeners and I'm making myself wait. And it's <laughs> it's really good, guys. Uh, so I'll do a preview about that when it's closer to the, the premiere of that season. But um, there's a lot of really good TV. I'm excited to see what Flash does um, off of its kind of ridiculous season one finale. Um, there, there's a lot of returning TV. I'm very very excited about um i know people are very excited about the nick i know people there's a lot of shows that are people are very excited about. so if we're not as enthusiastic um about all of these new shows don't worry <laughs> there's a lot of tv we are excited about um but now it, are you going to watch season two of the returned and of course. can i come back just to talk about it because <laughs> it was so good i hope it's still good because season one is so great yeah, absolutely. I, I will be watching season two, I'm almost certain. And uh, I didn't love it as much as you did. Uh, but I like the beginning as much as you did, just not the end. But um, our listeners can go and check that out. Popoptic.com uh, slash DVD hyphen shelf hyphen library. You can find it there. Um, but no, I I anticipate enjoying that one very much. But let's dive in here with these these new shows. We're going to go chronologically through September okay. and then October and then everything else and talk a little bit about the shows we've seen, the episodes we've seen and um, uh, give our thoughts on those episodes. But for the ones we haven't seen, just a 
general kind of overview, general overview, general kind of overview, actually. Let me get that. <laughs> Don't want to forget his first name. Um, but first up is Life in Pieces, which is airing tonight as we talk, uh, as we record. It will have aired last night by the time you guys are hearing this. This is on CBS. Um, neither of us have seen this one. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what what is this show, David? Uh, it's Modern Family again, right? It's <laughs> Meaning that it's it's a uh, about an extended family, you know, that's separated into groups of nuclear families, and they're all part of the same family. Mm-hmm. And it's a single camera sitcom about their uh, goofy lives. <laughs> I don't. Know. It's got Diane Weist in it, right? It's got. A lot of people, a lot of people that we really respect and who are very talented. Um, early word on this is that it's really not good, um, but we haven't seen it. So who knows? I will be checking in about with this next week because I make myself watch all the network pilots and I haven't seen this one yet. So it'll be next week on the podcast. Um, any other thoughts on Life in Pieces? No. Okay, well, let's move on to our next one, which is Blind Spot, on uh, also premiering as we speak uh, on Monday. It's gonna be airing on Mondays on NBC, and I have seen this one. Uh, this is the this is the uh, amnesiac with all the tattoos naked in the bag um, in Times Square. Yeah, that's the, that's yep. this show, and this one stars Jimmy Alexander and Sullivan Stapleton. Um, starting, by the way, a trend for me, uh, one of my new pet peeves. Because uh, I'm sure our listeners are fascinated with those. But one of my new pet peeves is the fact that almost everyone I've heard talk about this show has said it stars Sullivan Stapleton and then Jamie Alexander. But it's a show about her. She is the lead. It stars right. Jamie Alexander. Start looking for it. And almost every show that you see a list of cast or a random assortment of who's going to be in it, they're almost all guys. And the women that are there, usually at the end, um, unless they are very famous, in which case they will be ahead of some of the guys. And when you start looking for it, wow. it is everywhere, and it's freaking infuriating. Um, but anyways, this pilot was much better than I expected. We talked about it last week on the podcast, so I'm not going to talk about it here. Um, it could be it could become something good. It could be um, completely underwhelming, but it starts out much better than it has any right to, and Jamie Alexander wow. is very good. So I'm, I'm optimistic about that one. That's a... Uh... Pleasant, it's a pleasant surprise to hear because I think I had kind of written it off uh, <laughs> based on premise alone. Yeah, which – and it, it does well by that because if you've written it off and then you watch it, you go, hey, this isn't bad. <laughs> That's Jamie okay. Alexander is talented, so she does a good job with what That's she's true. given. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, low expectations are helping out several of these shows, I would say. Um, next up is Minority Report on Fox, also airing tonight. Also talked about it last week on the podcast, so I'm also going to keep this very brief. Um, this one, I'm hearing it slammed a lot for its um, for its eschewing of the pre-crime is instinctually uh, automatically bad premise, which is, of course is the point of the film. Um, however, I think that it's while it's incredibly generic uh, as a procedural and it feels very f- familiar, uh, very much like other shows that have come in the past. I don't have a problem with that element, considering that its main character, um, the the precog from the film, who's you know ten year all grown up ten years later, um, is seeing people get murdered every day in his mind. So of course he thinks pre crime isn't a bad idea, um, and hopefully the show will engage with those topics moving forward. It's just a pilot, but uh, Megan Good is good, even if she doesn't really have much to do. And I actually like Wilder uh, Valmer, Valderrama. Wilmer Valderrama, uh, I, I'm one of those people who really enjoyed him on Awake, 
and I think he can be good as a cop. Um, I don't know that he's good in this yet, but it's a pilot. So I'm kind of meh on this one. Any thoughts on Minority Report? Um, no. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I didn't know that Wilmer Valderrama, Wilmer Valderrama, I didn't know he was in it. I knew it was the Megan Good show. I didn't yeah. know that uh, that he was in it. Um, I like him. He, so he's apparently splitting time between this and From Dust Till Dawn over on El Rey, right? Mm-hmm. He's on the uh, Till Dawn series. Good for him. I like him. Yeah. He's playing I don't know sort of a, gonna watch the show. a generic jerk character on this. Hopefully that'll become something at some point. But again, I, I'm one of those like three people who watched Awake and really, really liked his first season, was very bummed it didn't get a second season. And he was a strong part of that, which was surprising at the time. So I'm not surprised to like him uh, at this point in dramas. Uh, next up is Limitless, which is airing on CBS uh, tomorrow. It's Tuesdays. Um, this is based uh, on the film. It's like a continuation. And Bradley Cooper does show up at one point playing his character from the film in this. It's, But it's very much... it's the, this this fall season has cemented for me um, even more than normal the how tired I am of the very special civilian uh, helps uh, by the books cop solve cases, which is all of these right. That's blind spot. She's not, I guess, technically a civilian, <laughs> right. but she but she doesn't know what she is because she doesn't have her memory. That's Minority Report. That's Limitless. That is what else is that? That is. Kind of a player, but not really. But that's that's a lot of shows. That's Rosewood, definitely. That's Rosewood. It's a lot of shows that are currently on TV already, right. and it's a lot of shows that are coming sure. in. And the trouble is, we already have a, we still have Castle, we still have Bones, we still, we've got a lot of those shows currently Sleepy on Hollow. The air. Sleepy Hollow, yeah. So when they have a, this many new fall shows all going for the same general subgenre, um, general subgenre, that's that's where you end up having just not enough to say about each one because there's just most people have one of those shows that they watch that they are most committed to whether it's castle because they love nathan fillion or sonicotic or if it's bones because of the booth brennan thing or any number of other reasons there's a lot of those shows on so it's hard to get people to switch to a new one and i think that's part of why so many of these shows fail because people only have time for so many shows so they're not going to watch four different very special civilian helps at heart by the books cop solve cases um limitless is better than i expected it to be but i expected it to be kind of terrible so that doesn't say a lot however i do like um i like the lead um i don't like the fbi agents he's paired with enough that's jennifer carpenter and um uh maestro antonio i don't remember first name mary something mary elizabeth maestro antonio something oh okay yeah yeah i I like her and i like jennifer carpenter yeah, I like them both. They they don't have characters. It's the pilot. Maybe they should, um, but they could get them later. And Bradley Cooper is just a very welcome presence on my television. I know he's a movie star or whatever, but for me, he's a TV star. Uh, I was very bummed when he was utterly wasted on Alias. Um, I really, especially season. Th- he could. I had this whole thing. He should have been New Will. I have like this. The head Alias that I have is like so much more interesting than where parts of where that show went. <laughs> but. Um, I, I really liked him uh, in the second season of Alias when they let him stop being an antagonist. I really liked him on Kitchen Confidential. And so when he shows up in this episode, it's like he's f- so comfortable. He's such an easy, comfortable presence on TV that that really does help that one episode uh, or that, that one scene. Um, I doubt he'll be back for until maybe the finale or something. Um, but you could do worse than Limitless. 
it's just it's not memorable enough for me to sit down and watch it but if hey if if you need very special civilian and you haven't you know elementary's not back yet why not um <laughs> let's go to the next one which you've actually seen so you can talk and i cannot for a little bit okay. i'm very excited about this and that's the muppets on abc now i've seen the first two have you seen the first one or the first two I just watched the first one, okay. and it was uh, I, I've seen enough. I watched the first <laughs> one, and I am done because I, I I was not a fan of this, How? not at all. I'm intrigued. It's none of the jokes are uh, at all original. It seems like it it it, it seems like something that a a maybe slightly above average intelligent high schooler wrote like someone it seems like it was written by someone who thinks they're smarter and clever smarter and more clever than they are and like uh, encapsulated it's like perfectly by the bit of gonzo talking in the confessional about who he hates the trope of the confessional it's so lazy and so obvious and also doesn't like if it, this is supposed to be real, like a mockumentary, like you should like the things. He shouldn't be talking to the producers of the documentary about how he hates what they're doing, and then he says he likes it uh, in the real in real life. Like it would be the, it would be funnier if it would be the other way around. That's because uh, anyway, but I'm, I know I'm overanalyzing this, but I just thought I didn't think it was funny for even a second. And um, you know what? I'll take that back. You know who was surprisingly is Tom Bergeron. For some reason, I thought he was. Uh, he really played the you know just the sort of sad sack loser version of himself. Uh, very funny. Uh, I laughed at Tom Bergeron like both in both of his little bits. Um, but it just it seemed like it was so full of itself. Like it had this arrogance of like well we're the muppets so obviously we're going to do this sort of uh y- you know uh oh you know the, the this sly sardonic take on showbiz because that's what the muppets do but none of it was actually insightful or incisive or funny really uh and then of course you know, to add insult to injury it ended with a performance by imagine dragons who were the worst so uh i uh yeah i i won't be watching any more of of this this was a uh big bummer now this is very entertaining for me first of all i absolutely agree about the gonzo thing you're specifically referencing it's not funny it's labored and lazy and terrible uh that's one of the worst jokes if it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a joke and it's not funny in the pilot and it also was the least funny thing in their 10 minute um thing that they showed to people at tcas um so i was a little disappointed that that made the cut for the premiere however um this is entertaining for me to, to hear your perspective on this because, uh, of course this, this is, it's just so, it's so inoffensive. Um, and it's not very funny. Yeah. Like you said, Bergeron is fantastic, but most of it's not very funny, but most comedy pilots, there's a lot of not very good comedy pilots and they are the Muppets. So yes, they're doing the same behind the scenes comedy Hollywood jokes that every show like this does. Um, but it's, Kermit doing it, so I don't care, uh, and I will give them a lot more leeway than maybe I would because I do have a pre-existing, like, I'm already connected to the character, so the, the legwork that other shows have to do of getting me, why should I care about these people? I already care about the Muppets. 
um, and and I could feel the warmth of certain of the relationships, and also I mean I'm just glad to be spending more time with certain of the the smaller characters. Like I love that Pepe is one of the writers that gets more to talk more to do. Um, it's such an odd choice to have Bobo be the stage manager, but I think it works really well. Um, and for me, the actually the the more pr uh, problematic element is. Not that it's not funny enough, because I guess I'm just I'm just really w willing to give comedy pilots leeway if they're if they're not funny yet, but I I like them for some reason. I'll give them a lot of leeway. Um, but the bigger problem I had is that it's it's the Larry Sanders show, but not as good. Um, it's a little too <laughs> really, on the nose good, for yeah. that. But it thinks it's that. I think, that, like, the reason I'm not, I'm, I, like, am knee-jerk not going to cut it slack mm -hmm. is because I'm a little offended by how, again, I'll say the word, like, full of itself it is. It's mm -hmm. like when there's, uh, uh, apparently my milieu is reality competition shows. When there's a reality <laughs> competition show, it's like the first episode and the one guy walks in, Top Chef or whatever, and he is constantly, he's saying, like, I'm the best chef here, I've got these accolades and these accolades i'm clearly gonna win i'm gonna walk away with this thing that's the guy you want to fail and mm -hmm. that's how i feel about the muppets is that it, it strutted into the room it kicked open the door and started into the room crotch first like <laughs> it's gonna own the place uh like here's what we're gonna we're gonna go behind the scenes and we're gonna really gonna take the piss out of the uh, out of out of hollywood and uh, tv production and it's just so convinced that it's smart and clever that uh i'm uh, yeah i'm offended by it okay okay yeah i just don't i don't think it thinks it's clever maybe i just am not seeing that part of it because i don't want to that's possible but yeah i don't think it thinks it's clever um but i know that you i'm not i know that you're not alone there i've heard from many uh other critics or or, or read reviews and heard podcasts from many other critics who think that they completely missed the tone of the muppets and uh are really not happy with it and I guess I maybe I think of them as an underdog because their last show failed so quickly. Um, right. So maybe it's that too. But anyways, we've talked too long about this. We need to get to our next show because you've seen that one too. Okay. So we'll talk about it a little bit as well. And that's Scream Queens on Fox. Uh, this had a double-length pilot. Okay. But it's basically two episodes. So again, I assume you've only seen the first episode. Um, and No, I did watch because this, the, the, the screener was one file. So for both episodes, watch the whole two the whole two hours. Okay, what did oh, you think oh. of this one? Well, eventually we'll get to the stuff that I liked. Um, but <laughs> I, here's the thing: I didn't I didn't hate Scream Queens so much as like I feel like Ryan Murphy has completely shown us all he has to show us by now. And this just like if this like if this premiered like I liked the new normal, <laughs> and I feel like if Scream Queens had been the exact same show it is now and it premiered when the new normal premiered instead of the new normal i would have liked scream queens it's just the fact that i'm tired of ryan murphy i think that he's not showing us anything new and that i understand his tricks too well you know there's i mean there's some stuff i like i like that they i mean they uh we won't get into spoilers but they did kill off one of the name you know uh actors there's also one they killed off that they didn't kill off uh and that's you know what i mean that's that's such a like a ryan murphy thing that sort of tease that it's like I knew immediately when we saw one dead body, I was like, that person is not dead. I just knew it. Uh, and, and I, and I think his, um, you know, envelope pushing, uh, 
pop culture reference comedy um, has really worn thin. Um, there's only so long you can do certain things like that. You can't, you know, you can't keep being shocking at the same level. You have to, you know, people, uh, um, there's a, there's a, you know, there, there, there's this idea, uh, like it's, I'll get, it's like a psychological idea called hedonic adaptation. That's like when one person, when a person is like exposed to a new sort of reality, there's like something changes in the reality, uh, you know, either because a new technology is invented or maybe someone that they, you know, are very close to dies. Like when something changes fundamentally, they will get used to it. And I feel like that's like, Ryan Murphy has coasted too long on having a voice that is different, which is great, but he hasn't grown at all, I think, as uh, as a producer or a storyteller. Um, and I, I just I, I, I can't say that I dislike screen, screen Queens. I'm just tired. I'm just bored. Fair enough. Uh, I like this one actively. And <laughs> because a couple things. First of all, I stopped watching Glee when the ratio of stuff I knew I wouldn't like to the number of Kurt and or Bert scenes there would be was not high enough anymore. Or okay. that there might be was not high enough in, anymore. Uh, so that certainly helps. And I also dropped away from American Horror Story after the disappointing coven. I didn't stick with Freak Show all the way. So it could just be that I am not as worn out on him as other people are. Also, I think parts of this are actually very funny. Uh, I find the is it Chad character delightful. Yeah. And I really am enjoying that performance. I think uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a lot of fun in her role. I've seen people compare it just as too straightforward, the Sue Sylvester role, maybe. But I think she works, and I think she's good in that antagonistic role. It's a very typical role for this kind of um, campus slasher kind of movie. Or in this case, TV show. So it makes sense that they would have someone fill that role. And I think she does a good job with it. Uh, I also really enjoy Niecy Nash uh, in what she gets to do. And uh, I'm a big fan. See, I, see I, did, I did not enjoy Niecy Nash. Okay. I feel like there's so much that, like, I, I feel like Ryan Murphy walks this line of, like, hey, I'm doing, like, racial stereotype comedy with my tongue in my cheek. And then at a certain point, it's like, I think you're just doing, like, a racial stereotype here. And that's kind of how I felt about Niecy Nash's character as like the sassy black woman. It's like you're not actually commenting on the sassy, sassy black woman as a trope. You're just doing this. And it's I mean, Niecy Nash, obviously, it's, it's going to be above average because she's great. Mm -hmm. But as a character, I was a bit uh, I rolled my eyes at it. Okay, fair enough. And uh, I have no problem. Uh, I, I completely support people having issues with um with gender stereotyping or, or racial stereotyping. And I didn't see that as much with this role. Maybe I should have. And if I watch it again, that might, that might bother me more. I more thought of the character's defining characteristic, not being a sassy element, but instead just being that she's an idiot because most of <laughs> right. the characters on the show are idiots. Um, but I, yeah, you're not the only one to complain about um, some of the racial politics of this, of the premiere. Um, I, the other thing I'll say is that I am from kingdom, a big fan of Nick Jonas. And so I was happy when he showed up, uh, in this as well. And, uh, that's, wait, is that the same Jonas? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, but okay. He's straight in real life, right? I don't know. It's just funny to me that like, and you know, I, you know, respect to Nick Jonas yeah. that he keeps playing gay characters. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Did I just spoil like did I spoil something? Was I not supposed to say that he's gay on the show or um, that he's gay on Kingdom? I he's I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, it's not a spoiler for Screen Queens, certainly. And that's a issue in that that the character is very clearly working out in Kingdom, so I don't think that's a spoiler for either. No, I come okay. down on the side of you're good. Well, yeah, good good for Nick Jonas for playing, and I think he's really good on the show. Like, I, I really liked his character. Uh, yeah, and the Chad character a lot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that his, when he had... Uh, again, I won't get into the spoilers, uh, specifically what he said, but he came to, like, the sorority house to make two announcements. The one just about himself, and the second, like, in second position was the one that's actually really important and shocking. Uh, I, yeah, I, I like the Chad character a lot. That's that's uh, I, I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, next up, let's just keep moving. The next show is Rosewood on Fox. This is another very special civilian, et cetera, et cetera. In this case, he's a private pathologist, which is apparently a thing, which means he's a medical examiner who has a really shiny, pretty lab. And so they can use lots <laughs> of cool effects and technology and whatever. But what this show does have is that it has a... Uh, a appreciably diverse cast, which again is a, something that is big on Fox this season, likely because of the success of first um, Sleepy Hollow and then Decline when they just were like, let's bring in lots of more white characters and play less, spend less time with our characters of color um, in season two. Uh, but also, of course, for Empire. And I'm very glad. Morris Chestnut is, is really uh, fantastic. He's not given really much of a character, but he's got so much charm that he just kind of pulled that off. Um, and hopefully he will get more as the show continues. If you're looking for this kind of a show. Um, I also love that one of the first things they do is introduce his sister and her fee and, and her female fiance. Um, and again, not a big deal. The more queering we can have of characters on television yeah. without it being a big deal. I'm all on board for that, especially because of the conversations that happen about uh, the role of sexuality in African-American communities. And so to have an African-American family where the the daughter is gay and it's completely accepted um, and they love the, the fiance as well by the brother and also the mom played uh, by Lorraine Toussaint, who everybody was amazing on Orange is the New Black last season, that I think is worthy of note. Um, there's also the female lead, the no-nonsense uh, detective who is... I cannot remember her first name. Ortiz is her last name. And I'm a bad person for not remembering her name. Uh, the reason I don't remember her name is that the character and also the performance is not particularly memorable. But they're not really giving her much to go off of in this pilot other than she's the serious one. Um, so I'm sure when she's given more uh, room to do things, she will probably do a good job. That's about all I have for Rosewood. Again, if you're looking for very special civilian, this one has pretty Miami visuals. It has a very pretty cast and it has some diversity. So maybe that would recommend it above something like Limited, Limitless or Blind Spot. Otherwise, they're all kind of of a piece. I don't think that means this is the worst new fall lineup in years ever. The like the some people are saying, guys, there's no stalker this year. I will take five Rosewoods <laughs> over, you know, not getting a stalker absolutely but um but again i don't really there's nothing that makes this one stand out above the others i guess i would say um i'm gonna keep talking next up is heroes reborn um which i've seen the first three now if i say to you david that this 
feels shockingly exactly like heroes. What does that mean to you? That could mean that could mean different things. I mean, because if you're talking about it, it feels like the beginning of heroes. That's fantastic because heroes was a really, really good show up until the end of its first season. Uh, but if you're saying it feels like the heroes that we left off after, was it on for five years? Is that what it was? Uh, four. Okay. If it feels like the way the heroes that we left after four years, that's a bad thing. So which thing do you mean? I mean that I was shockingly engaged almost immediately. Um, and they sent, they introduced a whole bunch of new, uh, they're calling them Evos now. They set up a, a terrorist bombing, um, as a universe kind of changing event for this, the for mythology and, and of this world. And then jumping your in the future. So the, the, the relationship with Evos or superhumans basically, um, and the rest of the world is in a very different place than it was at the end of the series. Uh, I did not watch the end of the series, so I can't really speak to that as to if it's better than that. But um, Hornum Glasses Guy, the Jack Coleman character, is our connection to the old show and the old characters. And he centers much of the show. And then the rest of the show is split between a whole new batch of new super, new heroes. And that is incredibly smart because Jack Coleman is a very talented actor and he does a really good job with this character. Um, the thing is, I can't really fully trust it because i've right. seen heroes so i have yeah. zero confidence that they will stick the landing yeah that's uh, actually on hey watch this that's something paul and i refer to as getting heroes yeah. when you uh get invested in a show that then completely uh peters out and falls apart <laughs> so it could really go either way if kring has learned some lessons maybe it'll be great if not which i mean why would he have um then it could certainly do disappoint again. I also really like there's a particular a subplot um, that's set in Japan that I liked, but I'm a little not sure how I should feel about in both Heroes and in Heroes Reborn, like the enthusiastic, nerdy characters and the fun storyline being the Japanese characters. <laughs> like, should I be upset about that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I feel like in in you know Hero's original recipe, um, I liked that stuff because I liked uh, the actor whose name I'm now forgetting. Um, so it worked for me. But uh, yeah, if it is a you know if it's a trope, there if it, if it's a trick they're reaching for uh, multiple times, that could get uh, problematic. Well, it works, but again, the the enthusiastic like gamer uh, geek character is the Japanese character. Right. Um, so, but, but that part of the show is entertaining and fun. So we'll see what happens with it. Uh, and yeah, they could easily not, you know, they could, they could follow the exact same path. Maybe they've learned a lesson. If they had somebody else, like they had Brian Fuller on board for a while in season one of heroes, I would be much more confident about this season of heroes reborn. Um, but the fact that it's a limited series does help. It's only 13 episodes, I believe. Um, and I guess I'm probably, barring peak tv issues i'm probably in for the duration we'll see uh-huh. and I, okay. if, if if people like heroes they will definitely like heroes reborn that's the easiest way to put it i'm going to watch the premiere this week because it was paul's it's paul's pick for the podcast next next weekend so okay i'll be talking about I it i'll be watching to it. your thoughts <laughs> um next up is the player on abc um which is premiering we haven't been saying the daisies are premiering these are all premiering next week 
uh, this coming week, I should say. That's on Thursday. And um, this one got had me with Phil Winchester from Strike Back and I guess Wesley Snipes um, and then lost me with the fridging of of, of oh. the, the characters. Uh, I shouldn't, I guess, say that here because that's a spoiler, except it happens in like the first like 10 minutes of the show. Right. Something like that. Um, so... And then there's there's stuff there's more stuff around it so it's not just a straightforward fridging but I thought we were like done with that I thought like we had all acknowledged that was bad and we were gonna not do that but there are two yeah. different fall premieres that that fridge people um, and in just really glaring glaring yeah. ways so um, guys let's stop let's let's stop doing that also so so I I completely distance myself from the show emotionally when they did that because it pissed me off and they weren't able to get me back in um there are much better shows unless you really need some action set pieces in your life i would say skip the player that's that one okay next up is blood and oil on abc um and that one's airing on sunday uh this is the the i want to say like north or south dakota set north dakota north dakota sets oil show with um don johnson i thought it was terrible um some people will <laughs> like it uh, i am not interested in it um this is the one that has chance chase crawford oh really yeah your guy from from uh well not your he's guy. actually not my guy he's like gossip girl. specifically not your guy from gossip girl we talked about this when you came on the podcast yes he's um, the character like you know it, like regardless of uh chase crawford's performance the character of nate should not have stayed on the show for all five seasons. Um, so hopefully they'll do something interesting with him. Yeah. The, this, I just, it's not a show for me. It's like, it's a nighttime soap that has characters doing stupid, reckless things. And that, that like taking risks with other people's lives, life savings and stuff like that. Um, and it works out for them and it's lauded. And, in real life, that's how people ruin lives and destroy lives. And right. so unless you're going to be a show that's going to examine that, like Lone Star would have, if it had gotten to live past two episodes, two fantastic, <laughs> fantastic episodes, um, I'm not interested in that. And this show does not seem like it is at all interested in reality and in what the consequences of the decisions that are, are are praised in the premiere would actually be. And that might be why pe- some people like it. They may be like just looking for escapism, lots of pretty people in North Dakota trying to scam and get rich uh, in making millions in oil. Um, I'm not interested in that. There are other ways I will spend my time. Any interest in this one? I know uh, you have such a hard me- pitch. Well, yeah, like you've definitely diminished me. I I did have interest because I love Don Johnson, mm. um, and I love what he's done um, in recent years. Um, I'm talking specifically about uh, Eastbound and Down, and his role in Django Unchained, and him just becoming a comedy character actor. But that doesn't seem like this is what this is. No. Uh, so I'm I'm on the uh, I, yeah. I guess if if he could. Um, to go back to our previous conversation, if he could be the Terrence Howard, you know, as Terrence Howard is to Empire, playing the character is with a little more, you know, uh, uh, glee and goofiness, 
maybe it would be good, but um, doesn't sound like. I think you definitely <laughs> diminished my hopes. I think my hopes are a little up as a Don Johnson fan, yeah. but it sounds like it just it doesn't pan out. I agree. I enjoy Don Johnson, a comedic actor, and um, that's why he was a fun lead on Nash Bridges for a while there. Um, mm-hmm. And also, like you say, hilarious on um, on the Eastbound and Down, and very good in in Django. But uh, he's very like straight patriarch villain kind of character here. Very not okay. going for the funny at all. Um, so yeah, if you watch it again, let me know. I look forward to your thoughts. <laughs> Next okay. up is Indian Summers on PBS, also on Sunday this coming Sunday. Uh, I have not seen it. I had not heard of it. I, I don't know what this is. This is a nine-part series um, starring, I want to see Julie Walters uh, okay. and set in India. Okay. That is what I know. I don't know more than I Here, here I can look very quickly here. So it's not based on the dreadful 90s Mike Binder film Indian Summer with Kevin Pollack and a bunch no. of other people? No, Good. it's not based on anything. It's, all I know here from this roundup of things is that it does star Julie Walters and it is... Uh, it is set in India and in, at the end of British colonial rule. And again, nine episodes. I'm assuming it's a co-production because it's from Masterpiece. And yeah. usually uh, the BBC does well by their period dramas. So that's all I know. Okay. Shall we move on? Yes. Next up is Quantico, which you have seen. Oh, I have seen it. Yes. Very exciting. This is also yes. airing on Sundays on ABC. What did you think of this first episode? Uh, promising, not um, not without flaws. Um, there's definitely some, you know. There's a there's a scene where a character sort of uh, in a third rate like Sherlock Holmes type of ripoff runs down everything she knows about a guy based on the few minutes that she spent in his company. That is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I had uh, Secondhand embarrassment. There's a Japanese word for that, and I can't remember what it is um, for secondhand embarrassment. Um, (laughs) So I had a little bit of that, but mostly, I mean, this is, uh, on the one hand, it's, I mean, I know we're, you know, at this point, we're 11 years after the premiere of Lost, but I feel like there's still this, uh, this I feel like Lost is almost like it, 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 it was, uh, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, epochal like iconic like a milestone like it it it, it changed uh so much about uh fall network <laughs> drama premieres in that it's clearly setting up a mystery and it spends the entire episode dropping a lot of different mysteries into the into the pot um but i would say as far as those types of shows uh i'm intrigued i think there are some good mysteries um and i think it has a, uh, I'm, I'm trying. I, I, I want to avoid spoilers. There's one character who doesn't make it to the end of the pilot. Um, yeah, and there's I, one character who will not be returning. Yes, and I, um, I have to say, I didn't see it coming. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was really well paced. You know, treating this character like any one of the other, uh, you know, FBI recruits that were that were, you know, tracking through their training uh and then this person uh you know doesn't doesn't get out <laughs> um and uh, i thought that was really really well done and i think that um if i mean i still feel like this could go poorly but it does seem to care about 
its characters as characters in addition to them being uh, each each one being their own little packet of mysteries to unravel. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this could this could go well. I would give it a, a B for okay. uh, as far as the pilot. What Fair about enough. you? Um, well, I um, first of all, just quickly, I was I was looking up the name of the the star of this, which is Priyanka Chopra. Um, and you know what I was saying earlier about Jamie Alexander here on Metacritic, their their um, fall premiere calendar. Uh, the last sentence. The ensemble includes Doug Ray Scott, Hemlock Grove, Jake McLaughlin, Believe, and Bollywood star Priyanka Chopra. She's the lead of the show, but she gets the yeah. billing after, you know, and she's a huge fucking star. You can make an argument that in America, Doug Ray Scott is a bigger star than she is, but the dude from Hemlock Grove is not. No, he's the dude from Believe. Is... The dude from Hemlock Grove oh, is Doug Ray Scott. Sorry, no. whatever. I didn't watch. I obviously, obviously, cats out of the bag. I didn't watch Hemlock Grove. Uh, it, whatever. Yeah, I don't even remember what Believe was actually. Yeah, it was uh, the one season show. Was the guy and there's the magic girl and he's broken out of prison. That's the one from that was the one from Alfonso Cuarón. Um, that people liked more than I did. Anyways, back to Quantico. So the thing that was really <laughs> distracting for me watching this is uh how much Priyanka Chopra in this looks exactly like Katherine Heigl in the Grey's Anatomy premiere. Right? Like, she's got the big eyes and the ponytail and the bangs slightly to the side, and she's there to right. look all, like, doe-like, but she's also surprisingly comfortable with her sexuality because they want to make sure to establish that as well. Um, and she, everybody's, and we're in a little too deep here, guys. Can we handle it? I think we can do it. I mean... It's so Grey's Anatomy, um, while also okay. having a terrorist attack and having lots of action set piece thingies. So it's trying to be a lot of different things tonally, and I think it could be very good. It could be very interesting. Um, it also has a level of gonzo to it that you were hinting at, and certainly the way that the premiere ends, it could go just like sleep, uh, Sleepy Hollow Season 1 style, just keep ramping it up and crazy right. bonkers yeah. awesome and they, they could have a lot of fun with that if they decide to go that way instead um i like the ensemble cast it's nice to see i don't know her name i'm sorry anna from unreal is is here is one of the the trainees and some other um okay. one of the one of the leads from sense8 who i really enjoyed um in that is here as well so they've got a good batch of of hot young people to be their leads um yeah, I, I think, it, like you said, it could grow and uh, get a lot better. It's certainly more interesting than several of the shows, and it does seem to care about its people, the character as people, while also setting yeah. up some, some good tension, potential tension, amongst the faculty and student dynamics. Um, I don't know that I'm actually that invested in its larger mysteries. It wants me to be. I don't know that I am yet, but... Um, but certainly it's it could very easily attract an audience. And I'm all for Priyanka Chopra being the lead and us having, uh, a, you know, people. But she wants to leave her giant Bollywood stardom and come to America right, yeah. to, to send her a show. I mean, she's going to be, I think, very strong in this lead. It'd be nice if they weren't going sweet. Then let's take that character and have her be an assumed 
terrorist bomber or potential terrorist bomber the way that they're the way that they're playing with that in the first shot of her in rubble you know like she's immediately suspected by the cops to be something she's brought in for questioning immediately um it takes a right. little bit to figure out exactly you know that they're just like trying to talk to her and get information but um but yeah i'd be nice if they weren't cashing in on that but it's nice to have her as a lead still I'm, I'm yeah, but I mean, I mean, I see what you're saying, but that that could end up being something that it's actually examining those sort of like knee jerk conclude people jumping to conclusions that because of the color of her skin or whatever, she's more suspect. I could see the show actually going down that road. Yeah, I, I hope that it will, and we'll we'll again we'll see. Uh, this this is one that I'm more likely to stick with than most of the others we've said. Um, uh, but two of the more promising ones coming up. Uh, starting this Monday, we have Trevor Noah taking over Daily Show. But we're not going to talk about that. Instead, we're going to talk about Tuesday on Fox after Screen Queens. This week, it has a double-length pilot. The next week, it'll be led into by Grandfathered and The Grinder. I've seen them both. You've only seen The Grinder. I'll just say quickly, Grandfathered um, is better than I expected. Anybody who wants to have full house feels with John Stamos holding a baby, congratulations. But the reason to watch is Patrick Brewster, who is fantastic, as anybody who likes comedy things will have discovered at some point in the last few years, if you didn't already know it. she has uh, She's fantastic, and she's got excellent chemistry with Stamos. Um, and... Uh, and because this is the premise of this is Stamos is like a rock star kind of restaurateur. I think he's a restaurateur and not a chef, but he has a restaurant um, who finds out at the same time that he's a father. He didn't know he was a father. And also he's a grandfather. Padgett Brewster is his baby mama, I guess. Um, and so she's she's fantastic. And there's a lot of charm here. It shouldn't work. It should be very silly and dated. And and Stamos makes it work much more than many others would be able to. So that's um, where I'm at with that one. Um, but instead of checking out that one, you checked out The Grinder on Fox, and what did you think? This is where I get to finally be effusive about something, because I thought The Grinder was fantastic, and I laughed <laughs> so much, and I can't wait to keep watching this show. Um, uh, it's, I mean, I think we, we know by now that Rob Lowe is funny and also is willing to send up his own uh pretty boy ness in a way um he's he's like he's willing to look like a doofus uh for the joke and i think he does that very well here but it's also uh really great to see fred savage being funny in front of the camera again you know um he's he's established a career as a as a comedy tv director uh and good for him but he um he had some of the best uh the best lines the the bit where he is so incensed when he's talking to his wife about his brother that he ends up talking at a higher octave for <laughs> so long that he then forgets what his actual voice sounds like and then the so the conversation goes from being about his brother to being like wait how do i talk again that was so funny to me um but also there's um little bit it's of absurdity. The show, you know, obviously it takes place. I mean, the, the premise is silly enough that you can understand the movie takes place sort of just tangential to actual reality. It, you um, know, there's there's a lot of things that it gets away with. What is yes? the premise for our listeners who don't know? Oh, the premise is that Rob Lowe plays a famous TV actor who has been the star of a hit uh, show called The Grinder, where he's played a, a trial attorney uh, for nine years. Now the show's over and he's experiencing a 
sort of existential crisis about like, you know, this defining uh, part of my life is over now. What am I going to do? His brother and father are actual lawyers in Boise, Idaho. And he decides to, uh, I guess, for the time being, uh, abandon acting and try to become an actual lawyer <laughs> along with his brother, Fred Savage, uh, in Boise, Idaho. Um, and uh, I, I think the the show does a good job of establishing the tone of like, yes, that's ridiculous, but this is a world that's, you know, a little bit left of center and this this is sort of thing could happen here. You know, I think um, the actress playing the judge actually was fantastic in selling that sort of line between reality and the uh, goofiness of, and of course, Kumail Nanjiani in, I don't know if that will be a recurring role. I hope it will be uh, as the, as the opposing attorney having, uh, being the voice of reason for the audience and saying, you know, after Rob Lowe's big speech saying, okay, I have 10 million objections rounding down. Uh, and that's that's rose abdu as the judge um yeah rose abdu and camille nanciani are a big part of what sells the trial scenes that we get and they're both they're both really good and hopefully they will both recur to some level yeah uh but the other bit i want to talk about that was very brief but was one of the funniest things is um rob lowe borrowing a pair of glasses from one of the jurors just so he could hold a pair of glasses while giving his closing arguments. Uh, this is clearly something that he did on his show and that he feels lends his uh, arguments gravitas. And the, I love that the show doesn't hang a lantern on that. You know, it just like, he just says, let me see your glasses. And then he goes on with the scene, just holding the glasses. And it's not like it cuts back to the woman. Like, what's he doing with my glasses? It's like as subtly as you can be with as goofy a joke as that is. And I feel like that's, that sort of, uh, that sort of approach and that sort of walking that line uh, between um, completely absurd and uh, and uh, believable is why I'm so over the moon about this pilot. It's 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 my favorite of the pilots that I watched for to, to talk about today. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I don't think I liked it quite as much as you did, just because I I wasn't I didn't enjoy uh the Rob Lowe character as much as you did I didn't connect to that and it didn't it felt like they were in two different shows and um I'm hoping because I do I can very much enjoy a Rob Lowe comedic means fantastic as Chris Drager on um uh, on Parks and Rec and he can be very very fun I, I can definitely get on board with this notion of the character he's playing and I hope that it'll work for me more in uh the, the upcoming episodes but for me it's all about Fred Savage and uh, and specifically the chemistry he and Mary Elizabeth Ellis have. And, of course, he's directed her. Um, he's directed many episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, many of which uh-huh. she has been on. I do not know how many episodes he has directed her in. But given the the proximity there, um, they clearly they have they have excellent chemistry and they I mean, they should be very comfortable working together from from their time and that, so i'm not surprised that they have such good chemistry on the show and they really do work for me as a counter to the insanity of what's going on um with the roblo character and that whole setup also i really enjoyed because you talked about some of the things the show did and but also one of the things it didn't do was hanging a lantern on some of its jokes i really enjoyed that they didn't have the father step in the william devane character and be like well but sons you should get along and the important thing is family like you just keep waiting for that heartfelt beat to come at the end, right. and it doesn't, because yeah. he, that it's not something that he, that this Fred Sav- Savage character 
needs to be told. Of course he right. knows that. It's, there's a Midwestern sensibility to the character that he doesn't need to be told that family's right. important. Um, it's just kind of assumed that he he's a family man. It's assumed that he knows well, that. I'll, I'll, I'll save you some emails by pointing out that Idaho is not the Midwest. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. It's I think it's true. technically the Northwest. It's the Northwest. My bad. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, though, of course, we have been saying Boise, which is, I've been told, I believe by your podcast, that is the correct way to say it. Yes, Boise. Even though in the show they say Boise with the Z sound. But uh, locals pronounce it Boise. I know that because I have family. Also, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is it's very important um, that, for as far as I'm concerned, that the Fred Savage character suck at public speaking as <laughs> yeah. much as he does. And he really, really does. So, like, he's a brilliant lawyer, theoretically. We don't get to see him be that because he's so bad at the presentation element that of course obviously his brother is amazing at while having no substance so watching how that develops over the season should be a lot of fun it's a very clear very broad setup but i mean there's a reason um that there's a reason that shows go back to setups like this because they they work when they're when they're executed well and there's a good cast here there is um there, there there is a lot of potential and yeah i agree i think it's a very very strong pilot all right (laughs) <laughs> from the grinder to code black on cbs which is airing on wednesdays uh this is the one set in an la er stars Marsha gay harden and louise guzman um as the the stern director of residence um the residence uh, and then the head nurse in this er that uh frequently apparently will go to code black code black is when there are more patients and more people dying than there are doctors to take care of them and what else will they what will they do it's apparently based on an actual er um incredibly busy er in la um and that's about all I know. The trailer looks like it could be interesting to those who enjoy ER, but I haven't seen it. It looks like a bit more, uh, a bit more interested in medicine and less in the personal lives of the characters uh, than something like Grey's Anatomy. So maybe if you're if you're more a ER kind of person and not really a Grey's Anatomy person, you might like this. Well, it seems like because you say ER, but it's like when you were talking about heroes, ER could mean different things. That's true. If it's good ER where it focuses on the drama coming from the medical procedures and from the pacing and storytelling come from that sort of uh, inherent process of A to B to C that, that is uh, mapped out by having, you know, medical procedures be uh, your, your backbone. That could be great. But if it's sentimental ER, it could be very bad. Uh, I'm, I am on the record as being a huge fan of ER season one and then decreasingly. So, uh, in in each in each season and so we'll see which er code black takes its uh takes its cues from fair enough um next up that takes us through september how exciting is that very exciting. it's time for uh october and we're going to kick things off with benders on ifc this is a i want to say eight episode comedy um from dennis leary's production company about a beer league hockey team so there's four main characters who are on an amateur hockey team. The the Chubbies is the name of the team. And then there's one female character, which is the wife of one of the characters. I've seen like a couple trailers and things. It looks like it's kind of shooting for something in the vein of the league, where uh, it's mostly a hangout comedy with, um, if you're a hockey person, you'll likely get a lot more out of it, but you don't need to be to to watch it. Uh, that's all I know about the show. I haven't seen anything from it. Have you? Have you do you know anything about this one? David? Uh, no, but I mean the idea of a you know 
Dennis Leary produced comedy that doesn't have Dennis Leary in it uh, is definitely a plus to me. Um, and I almost, I'm also a hockey fan. So uh, there you go. Fair enough. Next up is Dr. Ken on ABC. This is going to be airing on Fridays. I've seen two episodes of this one. And this one is getting uh, maligned just about everywhere. And pilloried. I would yeah. say it's getting pilloried. <laughs> That's a good term. Very nice. Uh, good uh, term of the day there, David. And it pretty much deserves it. But it's just not very good. But it's not It's not offensive to me. It's not. Uh, it's not like... I'm not stupider for having watched it, which sounds like such faint <laughs> praise, but really, guys, some years that is not the case. So um, I, it's certainly underwhelming to see people as talented as much, uh, well, not much, members of this cast are get wasted, um, but they're getting a network paycheck, so I don't feel too bad for them. And I'm pretty sure this is not going to last very long. Uh, I would have thought that about Last Man Standing. I would have been nice. wrong. Yeah. So who knows? But yeah, I don't know that it deserves being pilloried, but it's not good. Don't watch it. And that's okay. I'm going to leave it there. Next up is Casual, which is a new show that's uh, starting up on on Hulu on October 7th. Um, and they're going to be doing the once a week, weekly, you know, on Wednesday's release method that they did for good. people. <laughs> now, do you know anything about the show? No, um, I know that it's an American television comedy series. Uh, created by Jason Reitman. <laughs> I'm reading the Wikipedia entry right now. <laughs> uh, so no, Michaela Watkins plays a recently divorced, uh, a newly divorced single mother living with her brother Alex and her daughter Laura. That's what it's about. Okay, um, it's like I think it's like ten episodes, and I mean Michaela Watkins is very funny. Frances Conroy as a controlling mother figure, which uh, that just. It's like it's the Francis Conroy character, for better or worse. But she will be very good at that, I'm certain. Um, so that's all I know. I would like to have seen a trailer, but they don't seem to have one yet. I it did get a very positive review from the Hollywood Reporter, um, to coincide with its premiere at a film fest. Um, but I we're going to get back to you guys, or I will have to get back to y'all when I know more about it and get to see it. Uh, next up is Red Oaks on Amazon. I already talked about this pilot back when it debuted, so I'm not going to say much more about it then. It's dropping on October 9th. That takes us to Last Kingdom on BBC America, which is a series. Now, this is... I, I keep getting hopes up for like these potential um, BBC America shows based on Orphan Black coming out of nowhere and being the best uh, for like a huh. season, um, and then really good yeah. for a couple <laughs> other ones. Um this is a fictionalized historical drama set during the birth of England, and it's an adaptation of a book series, The Saxon Stories. That doesn't tell me very much, because I do not know the book series. I do not know if this will be something that will be awesome, or be a fun discovery like uh, Jonathan Orrell and Mr. Strange um, was earlier this year, or if it'll be more in the vein of some of their like Camelotti kind of adapt Merlin-y adaptations that I don't know too hot. <laughs> um have you heard about this one at all? Nope. Okay, then shall we move swiftly on? Yes. Okay, next up <laughs> is one that I know you've heard about because you've talked about it on your podcast, and that's Crazy Ex Girlfriend on the CW, um, paired with Jane the Virgin, uh coming back uh on October twelfth. Um what can you tell us about Crazy Ex Girlfriend? Uh, that it comes from the mind of Rachel Bloom, who is a very uh, funny and uh, talented uh, writer, 
actress, singer, comedian. And it is and a musical? That, uh, it is a musical, and it's about a person who moves from somewhere, I forget where, all the way to West Covina, California, which I'm kind of loving the specificity of <laughs> that location um, uh, to follow her high school crush. I just assumed that was like a made-up... No, no, West, West Covina is a real place. Yeah, uh, I've driven through there. It's near Claremont. Um, it's over there in that sort of just like eastern Los Angeles County, not quite the Inland Empire yet, but still eastern Los Angeles County, the the never-ending suburbs of eastern Los Angeles County. Uh, so, yeah, I like the specificity of West Covina. I was not super impressed with the trailer I saw for it um, back, you know, in the in the spring, but I still have West Covina memorized. Uh-huh. And I only watched it once, so clearly they're they're doing something right. If I'm gonna right. be still remembering <laughs> parts of their mu- big musical number, either that or maybe I've seen more ads for it than I realized I have. But um, I was highly encouraged by your and also Paul's uh, praise for Rachel Bloom, who is an unknown entity to me. So that makes me even more excited. And I mean, after the year the CW had last year, I they've got my faith on their development right. pro- yeah. uh, process. So I'm looking forward to this one. I'm trying to keep uh, expectations low so that I can be excited and not underwhelmed if it's only okay. I mean, it's been a- adapted from a half-hour show to an hour-long show for the C- from Showtime to the CW. So that could be a bit of a bumpy transition. But hopefully uh, Bloom and everybody else over there at Crazy Ex-Girlfriend can make that transition kind of work. But if you're going from Showtime to network, half-hour to hour isn't a... It's not doubling. It's not doubling. Right? It's going 30 to 44 minutes or whatever. Yeah, something like that. So it's adding an, an extra act, like a solid, you know. Right. But we'll see what they do. And, uh, again, the, if it's good, fingers crossed it is. Because um, I think they haven't gotten a screener out on that one to, I think, hardly anybody yet. Because there's, there's no buzz about it yet, other than the fact that people are a little concerned that they haven't seen it. Um, but if that's, if that's a good hour then we'll have a jane crazy ex-girlfriend back-to-back which will be one of the best blocks on tv so fingers crossed that it is good next up is truth be told on nbc uh which is airing uh, coming back on uh or debuting i should say on october 16th so this is going to be airing on fridays as well i think this is paired with um undateable which is doing its live season this year which is such a weird concept but oh like rock yeah yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, this is a hangout comedy with two sets of uh, two couples. Um, uh, basically, it's black couple, white couple. And that's all I know about this show because they don't have a screen. Because it's still, again, it's several weeks ahead. So when I see it, I will talk more about it on the podcast. Do you have any thoughts or know anything about this one? This is Mark Paul Gosselaar or something like that. Yeah, it's Mark Paul Gosselaar. I just, uh, from, I mean, from the way it looks to me, just make sure that you talk about when it airs because you won't have many choices, many chances to talk about it because it'll be gone by Halloween. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, we're almost to Halloween actually with our dates. We've got Supergirl, which is debuting on October 26th. It's a Monday show on CBS. Um, now, have you seen the trailer about this one? Because I know it got a lot I have, of play. I've avoided the trailer. Okay. I've avoided the trailer on purpose. Um, I really, really want it to be good um, because I like the idea of a female superhero having her show, but also more specifically, I'm a big fan of uh, the lead. Uh, I'm not a big enough fan to know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, why don't you give it a shot? Well, I was going to see how long we could dance around that uh, organically. 
but that's fine. We can make it uh, make the subtext text there. Um, what I will say is because uh, and, and I'm sure many of our listeners might have seen this because uh, it did leak back at the beginning, like early in the, the summer. Um, but what this what the trailer that got put out does not tell you if you have seen the trailer and have written the show off. What the trailer does not tell you is that. This is a show which, while it very, very painfully attempts and utterly fails to justify this female, this grown-ass woman female superhero being called Supergirl, and that somehow being an empowering thing. Sorry, y'all, that is clear bullshit. Um, Every significant character on this show, as it begins, is a woman. So Supergirl, obviously, um, and her the her main connection with anyone is her sister. There's a very close relationship there. I'm a big fan of Kyler Lee, who plays the sister, um, and they have a they have a strong rapport. Um, then there is her boss at the magazine. The fact that she works at a fashion magazine and that was how she thought she could like be part be a bigger part of the world is <laughs> underwhelming to me, but. Whatever. Um, but that's close to Flockhart, who does a good job in that kind of mogul-y role, the J. Jonah Jameson, but without the, you know, fuming. Uh, she, she works well there. Then the the mother character, um, you know, who we, we see little Kara Zor-El getting sent off, sent off from um, Krypton. And we see the mother character uh, played by Laura Benanti, uh, you know, Broadway's Laura Benanti kind of a big deal. Um, so she is somewhat uh, significant, at least as a, um, as a, uh, important if emotional connection. Um, I, I mean, she gets sent away because the planet is dying. So I assume we're not going to actually see the mother really other than maybe memories or like, you know, crystals that have messages or something. Um, but all the and, and then there's a villainous figure who is eventually shown um, to be uh, a larger player throughout the presumably the season who is also female. So having all the significant characters be women on the show and having there be um, interesting and dynamic male characters as well. But just this is a show about mostly a group of women is the most exciting and feminist thing about this show. And so the fact yeah. that it's a superhero show and the fact that <laughs> they, they literally have someone call out, oh, female superhero, that's great. That'll be great for my little girl to look up to. I'm like, I'm, I, I guess, you know, I want to g- give it a hard time about a line like that, except that it's so damn true and so needed right. that I can't. Yeah. I can't really. So um, it has issues. It's not great. Um, it looks like it's going to be very procedural, at least at first. Um, but I just, I can't get well, that's down not, that's on not necessarily a bad thing a knock to me. I, you know, I, I feel like procedural has become like a derogatory term among, uh, people who watch a lot of TV, but when done correctly, um, awesome. I, I think procedurals are great. You know, I, I like, I mean, I didn't stick with it, but I, I watched CSI for eight years and it was, you know, it's the same procedure every, every week, but they did it right for eight years and they then I stopped watching, but uh, <laughs> I, I I just want to defend the term procedural because it's become like shorthand for less than, and yeah. I don't think that's necessarily uh, fair. But no, I'm very excited about Supergirl, and I'm gonna go with Benoist. Okay, 
the talented you... lead who does who's charming and does a good job in what, with what she's given in this first episode and also i think could be could show seems like she could grow with the role tremendously we'll see how what they do and it's important this comes from the greg berlanti and company who've done a really strong job mm. with with the flash this seems more in the tone of the flash slightly different tonally from either arrow or the flash which i think is an important uh, distinction and i like that they do that um but it feels more in keeping with that than Arrow, uh, which feels appropriate for the character and also for uh, the performance that we're getting from this uh, engaging lead actress. You're Next... not going to get away with that trying to pronounce her name. I want to hear. I want to hear your uh, your best guest. Uh, best, best guest. guest. <laughs> um, I don't have one. Uh, you said Benoist. Yeah, I said Benoist. Benoist. I feel like I. I, I, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to second you okay. because if there wasn't the S in there, I would say Benoit. But there sure. is an S in there. Yeah. If it, or the, if the S was in the end, I would also perhaps say Benoit. But, yeah, if it wasn't a T. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but it's probably not. I guess we're, we're in agreement that it's probably not Benoist. Right? It could <laughs> I think be we're Benoist. probably agreeing that it's not pronounced Benoist. I think mostly we're agreeing we should know and we don't. <laughs> yes, mostly. I did say it sounds like something that Jerry Lewis would say. <laughs> um, I'm going to now say that uh, we should move on because I know you're going to want to talk a little bit about. I feel this is safe to say your 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 guy uh, Ed Westwick from from Gossip oh. Girl. And yes, his, his show Wicked City on ABC, which is airing on Tuesdays, uh, debuting October 27th. Serial killers in the 70s, no 80s, 80s. In uh, in L.A. Thoughts? Um, I don't know anything about it except for what uh, everything you just said. Um, but I'm interested because I liked Ed Westwick's performance on Gossip Girl. And I like the idea of a 1980s. I feel like this is like the, comp- the, the, the consolation prize we get because the 1980s Los Angeles Gossip Girl spinoff never happened. Uh, which there was supposed to be about... Um, uh, Serena's mother Lily as a young woman in uh, in, in Los Angeles in the nineteen eighties, and so this is this is the consolation prize we get uh, a nineteen eighties set uh, Los Angeles story featuring a Gossip Girl cast member. But uh, I uh, I definitely think it could be it could be cool. I really really did not like the first seven minutes of this that I saw. They put up like a little teaser at the screener site. Um, but it's only the first seven minutes of the hour long pilot. So, um, or 40 something minute long pilot. And I would hope that ABC is not just doing another serial killer show. Uh, cause that's what this feels like. Uh, yes, it has style, but lots of predatory and, um, exploitative kind of stuff. Lots of, that's uh, not what I was hoping for. Yeah. Now I was hoping if anything were exploited, it would be neon. That's yes. what I was hoping. For. Yes, that also is the case. And there's some fabulous fashion and and style to it. Um, the only thing that has me second guessing the instinct that the first opening you know sequence of this gives me is the fact that it doesn't have any of Eric Christensen's character and her as the like the 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 partner in crazy serial killer crime. It feels like something I haven't seen before. So it's a pair of serial killers who team up. I haven't seen 
that. So I'm not interested in watching like the super stylish, super cool sociopathic let's stab vulnerable right. women kind of character or the, the stab women that we take advantage of, um, which is what I, you know, the opening of the pilot presents. However, I, obviously I can't give any sort of a review on the first seven minutes of a pilot. So yeah, that's my instinct. Me out, I wanted it to be better. Yeah. And maybe it is. And maybe it is. Okay. I just, yeah, I'm leery. I'm leery. Westwick is very good if he didn't start killing people. Um, I completely speaking of gossip. Well, I completely forgot to mention that the creator of Quantico is Josh Saffron, who was a writer and executive producer of Gossip Girl. Yeah, which is so, another reason to be excited about it. Yes. Okay. Our last show in October is Ash versus Evil Dead on Stars. This is going to be a half hour comedy, which is or a half hour show. I shouldn't assume it's going to be a comedy, um, which is something I did not know. Until I heard you and Paul talk about it. And that has me very excited. Uh, comparatively, <laughs> I'm not interested in the hour-long version of the show. I'm also not interested in Evil Dead. I haven't seen any of them. Okay. I've seen, like, parts of three. Um, it's just not really... I'm not interested at all. And and maybe if people... My introduction to the show hadn't been, oh, yeah, that's the one with the rapey tree. <laughs> um, oh, maybe right. I would have a better approach to it. Um, but I do... You know, obviously, I'm, uh, Bruce Campbell is a very talented person. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of his. Uh, back from the old Hercules and Xena days, let alone all of his many other things that he's done. Yeah. Um, so that is encouraging. I, I think it's great that, it, like, I think Fox wants you to believe that with Scream Queens, Ryan Murphy has somehow invented the idea of mixing comedy and horror. Mm -hmm. And now you've got Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell stepping up to say, uh, excuse me, we've been doing this <clears throat> for 30 freaking years. Uh, here's what we do. Yeah. Yep. But I think, the, again, like you already said, the show you're most excited about debuting on Halloween is Les Revenants season, season two. Uh, yep. Any other thoughts on Ash vs. Evil Dead? No. Okay. That let's move on then swiftly. We're just going to kind of shoot through these last few shows. Just wanted to mention that they're starting Angel from Hell on CBS is debuting November 5th. This is the Jane Lynch and uh, Maggie Lawson comedy. Um, I gonna, I think uh, Jane Lynch is going to actually be a uh, guardian angel. Do you think Maggie Lawson's going to be crazy or guardian angel or maybe both? Uh I think no. I think she's based on the premise. I think she is going to be a guardian angel, and I'm. Uh, I feel like the show sounds promising. I haven't watched any trailers or anything, but I mm -hmm. think it sounds promising. Um, another show I'm interested in is the Aziz Ansari Netflix comedy Master of None, which is premiering the day after on November sixth. When you look at the blurbs for this one and the cast members who are going to be showing up, it's another one of those delightful pet peeves. In this case, um, we have also starring H. John Benjamin, fabulous, Noel Wells and Eric Wareheim. Apparently no women, or certainly no women of note. <laughs> women are often very funny. Apparently, also, especially the women that talented and interesting comedians like Aziz Ansari would cast in a show. It'd be nice yeah. if people would talk about them. Um, but anyways, that's all I know about Master of None. Any thoughts? No, but uh, I like Aziz. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, those, those are my thoughts. Those are thoughts. They're good thoughts. I, I co-send those thoughts. Uh, Flesh <laughs> and Bone is debuting on Stars on November 8th. Um, this is a ballet 
drama behind the scenes behind the, inside the world of, the, of professional ballet and this is a, either an eight or ten episode season um it's produced or, or it's created by uh moira wally beckett who people will know from her fantastic work um on breaking bad and uh stars um a few people that i've enjoyed in other projects um there there's a trailer out there that looks for better or worse like a gritty reimagining of the exact plot of center stage um and many other things like this um that is super underwhelming so i'm just kind of hoping that that is not indicative of what the show will be because i am super down for a drama set in the world of ballet yeah actually yeah so, so am i um and i know uh i'm a longtime entertainment weekly and entertainment weekly reader and they um spoke highly of this in their fall fall tv preview very exciting next up Chicago Med on NBC. This is debuting on Tuesday, November tenth, uh, and I don't watch any of the Chicago shows. Do you watch any of the Chicago shows? No. I, I here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna repeat myself word for word something I said on Hey, Watch This. With they got Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. Is that what it's called? Yes. And Chicago Med. What they should do is just combine them all into one show, put them all in the night shift move it to New York City, and then just cancel that show and bring back Third Watch. Because that was a much better show than any of these could ever be. I concur. Uh, not I, I shouldn't concur. That's a dick move because I haven't seen anywhere near enough to of any of those shows to pass judgment. However, I did really like Third Watch. Uh, so good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm done with that. That, that would work for me. Um, next up is Spotless, which is, uh, I don't really know anything about this, but I thought it was interesting that Esquire is ha- ha- has a scripted drama, or, uh, right. which yeah. is about uh, strange uh, strange brothers who have a crime scene cleaning business, and organized crime is going to get involved in there as well. Um, the premise is not interesting to me, other than the crime scene cleaning. That's That could be okay. interesting. Um, but usually, wasn't there a movie Sunshine Cleaning? Sunshine wasn't there a movie? Cleaning. Yes, I have not seen it, but again, yeah. it looked of interest to me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, usually, what it seems to have happened in the last year or two is when these networks have come forward with their first scripted series, they tend to only take that risk if it's an interesting show, at least, or some there's something unique about it. Right. And, um, so, so it just that seemed like you know maybe that'll be interesting. We'll see. I, again, I don't. It's Strange Brothers. I've seen that show, so it'll have to do a right. lot to make that interesting. But maybe it will. Um, next up, Into the Badlands on AMC. This is debuting on November fifteenth. Um, th- all I know about this is lots of martial arts. Yeah, ninja is a ninja movie or something, ninja show or something like that. People are very excited about <laughs> this. It's going to be starting when The Walking Dead goes on hiatus. And uh, which means I'll just be very excited because I will be uh, drained by having two podcasts a week at that point. <laughs> so I'll be glad The Walking Dead is on the hiatus. But people are very excited about the action in this. Um, it's a limited run series. I think it's only like six episodes, something like that. Um, haven't seen it, but I do like some good action. So fingers crossed. Any thoughts on this one? Uh, no, just uh, I, I have I've seen like TV spots while watching other stuff on AMC. Uh you know, when they show Aaron Brockovich for the 10 millionth time and in the commercials, they show a TV spot for uh, Into the Badlands. And it does look cool in terms of martial arts. I don't really have a sense of the story, but uh, a martial arts show could be cool. Fair enough. 
Um, next up is The Art of More on Crackle, which is debuting on November 19th. Um, Crackle is the one, they're the ones doing Supermansion, yes? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I didn't talk about that here. Talked about that with Comic-Con. I don't feel like, it didn't feel like I needed to mention it again. But this is the first right. drama coming from Crackle. And this is set in, uh, it's called The Art of More because it's set around auction houses. Um, and again, my pet peeve, Dennis Quaid, Christian Cook, Carrie Ellis, and Kate Bosworth. <laughs> I love you, Carrie Ellis. Who's that second person? Christian, I, Christian Cook is apparently a person. So, wait, was he on Hemlock Grove? <laughs> um, he's on Demons. Uh, where the Heart Is, Trinity Cemetery. He's British. Okay. He's, he was on Witches of East End. Yeah. So, but yes, certainly more worthy of note than Kate Bosworth. So, uh, <laughs> that's that one. Uh, next up. That guy wasn't in Blue Crush, I'll tell you that. No. Christian no, Cook is not in Blue Crush. was not. Um, next up is one that we've both seen, uh, the pilot for, and you've recently seen the pilot for, and that's the man in the high castle from Amazon, which is, uh, being released on November 20th. I'm very excited about this. This is one of the new shows I'm most excited about. Had you seen the pilot before, just like prepping for this episode? No, I just watched it today. And what uh, you think? the pilot. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm interested actually to hear you say you're so excited for it because I think it's well made and interesting. But um, I also do get the sense that it, it ta- it's taking itself very seriously in a way that, like, for an, an like an uninterrupted hour long, you know, it, it's it's an hour sans commercials. Um, it, I, I could feel myself getting burnt out on how seriously it's taking itself. I like a little bit of levity, and this did not have any of that. But in terms of its uh, premise and the way that premise is carried out throughout the production design, um, and, and, and yeah, in the situations, uh, it's definitely very interesting. But I want to hear why you're so excited about it. Well, for those who don't know, uh, Man in the High Castle is based on a apparently very well-regarded book that I had never heard of before this adaptation. Yeah. Wait, we watch TV. We don't read books. Books. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm with I'm with Sandberg on that one. Um, but um, that is, it's it's set in an alt history where um, the U.S. and the the Allies lost World War II, and Germany and Japan split up the U.S. Uh, East Coast right. or West Coast to Japan and then the rest of the country basically to Germany. And it is set in like the 60s or 70s? 1962. 62. 62. Um, so it's like, you know, a couple decades into this uh, this different rule of the United States. And um, there are these um, rebellious factions trying to fight for the concept of the United States and um, and freedom and, you know, uh, and uh, trying to start something. And there's this mysterious tape that looks like it, I don't know if it's just a, something that they filmed and it's like a movie that they faked or like what seems like it could be, because that's how my brain thinks, um, is that it's footage from our reality that has gotten yeah. over there somehow of us winning World War Two. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, you say tape, but it's a it's a reel. It's a reel, like it's film, a film, I should say. Yeah, uh, and that... they, didn't, they didn't have VHS. Yeah, they didn't. You... Yes. <laughs> like, they didn't... Yeah, they didn't make it so that the Nazis invented VHS in 1962. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, 
<laughs> but but I think that's uh, that is really exciting as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the po- prospect of interdimensional television. I mean, I love who doesn't love Quantum Leap? Come on. Um, and uh, I also think the the way that the world is crafted is really interesting. Um, there's a central scene involving Ash or Snow that is yeah. like a fucking gut punch. And yeah. if they can capture moments like that, um, they can really establish a world very effectively. Uh, that, no, that thing you're talking about was because it's not just how horrible what is happening is it's how commonplace it is to the person who lives there. You know what I mean? Yeah. The person who's explaining what that ash is, it's just Tuesday to him. That was, yeah, you say it's a gut punch. That's exactly right. It was uh, devastating. Yeah. And it's just one moment in this hour long pilot, but that's the kind of thing that you look for in pilots. Can it, there's a kernel, something that they could grow into something very interesting. I also just like Alexa Davalos, and I've liked her since uh, she showed up on Gwen on Angel. And I think she's got one of those faces where she's, it's like about damn time I'm seeing her in a period drama, um, even this odd alt period. Um, and I didn't, I should have seen it coming, but I didn't see the the end of the episode coming. So Yeah, that, I didn't either. Yeah. Um, but we're glossing over the fact that Rufus Sewell is in it mm-hmm. and that he plays, uh, again, this is the kind of fun you get to have with this premise. He plays an American SS officer, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he's fantastic. Uh, he's definitely the villain of the piece, and uh, Rufus Sewell's a good choice if you're going to cast a villain. Yeah, and of course it also comes from Frank Spotnick, who people will know from the X Files, so that's a pretty solid pedigree to have. Um, so that's why I'm so excited about it. Plus, it's just it's different. It's there's nothing else like it. Um, and if they can foster that and and really embrace what that means, it can be really interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely more thumbs up than thumbs down. Uh, I just feel like it maybe is, I'm not sure how you could have fun with this premise, but it maybe is a little overly dour. Fair enough. Um, and I, you know, I think if they get interdimensional with it, that's where you could start to have more right. yeah. energy in that direction, if not comedy. Um, our last two shows we're going to just mention quickly here are the miniseries Childhood's End on Sci-Fi or Siffy, uh, debut- debuting uh, December 14th. And then their big new show is The Expanse. It's a space opera. Uh, those who have seen stuff from it are very excited. I know, for example, friend of the show, Todd Vanderwerf over at Vox has it as his most anticipated show of the fall is debuting December 14th. Um, but I am beyond ready for a space opera. Uh, I, I haven't seen spaceships in way too long other than I guess Killjoys, the couple episodes I watched of it. Um, do you have any thoughts on the expanse? No, I don't know anything about it, but now I'm excited. <laughs> it, it's sort of their attempt to get back into like the Battlestar realm um, it's, there's a, um, it's got Thomas Jane, it's got Stephen Strait, it's got, um, <laughs> again, on Wikipedia here, uh, Thomas Jane, S- Stephen Strait, Shore Agdeshlu, Ag- 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 yeah. you know, Academy Award, at least nominee, if not winner, getting third billing, um, but that's okay, <laughs> uh, as well as other people, but, um, it, it's it's a set in the future. There's a you know out, out in the stars we've colonized the solar system, and it follows a, a cop, a, a ship's officer, and a crew who are trying to figure out uh, unravel a conspiracy um, that is threatening peace and the survival of humanity. To basically quote from Wikipedia, so that is what's coming um, from sci-fi. It would be wonderful if we got actual like thought-provoking 
full on space opera sci-fi again on my TV. So fingers crossed for that one. Um, but we've gone absurdly long. We're almost yeah. at three hours. I expected this to be a two hour podcast. Shows what yep. I know. Yeah, um, I don't know why we do. We know every time we every talk, time. it goes forever. <laughs> every time. Okay, well, for in case somehow there are still people listening, David, where can those few listeners find you <laughs> and your work online? Uh, you can find me at battleshippretension.com. That's where my movie podcast is, which is conveniently called Battleship Pretension. It's also where all the movie reviews that I write are. And it's also where you can find the links to my TV podcast, which is called Hey, Watch This, a.k.a. Hey, Watch, Th- hey, Watch This with Paul and David. Uh, you can, If you have issues with anything that I said on this podcast, you can email me at david at battleshippretension.com. And you can and should follow me on Twitter at DaveyPretension. And, of course, you can reach me uh, at the televerse at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me over at Pop Optic. You can also find me from time over at the AV Club. I'm not currently reviewing anything right now. We'll see if something else comes up through the rest of the year. Mostly I just spent the Emmy Awards going like, woohoo, more Veep love. I get to review that show, guys, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> um but yeah, right, right, right now I'm reviewing Doctor Who over at over at Pop Optic, and uh, that's. Uh, and you can also, of course, reach out to me on Twitter at the Televerse. Love talking with you guys there, and of course, the podcast is also up in iTunes, where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we would very much, or I should say, I would very much appreciate if you would go leave a rating or review because it does help other people find the show. But thank you again so much, David, for coming on for this mega marathon podcast. It's always a yeah. pleasure. It was a blast, actually. Good times. And I'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. 